0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys. with you. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. We are thrilled to be at Kicking Bird today up here in Edmond for the OGA Junior Boys and Girls Championship presented by Taylor Moore. Taylor Moore will be joining us here in just a little bit. We'll also have Brian Sorensen, the head pro of Kicking Bird Golf Club, out here with us. Uh, guys, just an awesome golf course. Shutting down here in a couple of weeks for the big redesign, but it is in great shape today, and we've got some of the best juniors in the state out here. The stroke play portion concluded yesterday. Match play underway 36 today, 36. Tomorrow you advance, uh, you win, you advance, you don't. You go home on the men's side. It was Andrew Goodman who won the individual stroke play portion and then Maddie Camus of Kingfisher shot 69-65 to win on the women's side. Second year in a row that she has captured the stroke play title. Awesome, awesome event out here. I know you both played in it as juniors, so what's it like to kind of come back, see the leaderboards, all the kids out here grinding. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's really impressive uh, what these kids are doing. I mean, obviously it's uh, quite a bit harder than winning a state championship. And I mean, if you look uh, at the stroke plate portion, which this it is two different tournaments as far as AJGA points go. Um, but I mean, this was a stacked field on the girls' side. I mean, obviously, Rachel Nelke going to OU, uh, Jenny Roller going to uh, TU, where I played. And so uh, that was a really stacked field, and that was impressive golf, 69 65 for Matty Camus. And then on the boys' side, obviously, Andrew Goodman. Uh, he wins everything, it seems like. Nine under, 67 64 was really impressive. Then Ben Stoller, who obviously we got. We got <laughs> to see at Forest Ridge uh, uh, for a few holes at least and so that was really (laughs) impressive Ryder Cowan uh, a great uh, golfer from Edmond and um, so and then you know Trace Hill 69 64 tied for second with Ben Stoller at 7 under uh, 133 it's really impressive what these guys are doing the course looks phenomenal I was it kind of expecting to see it a little burnt out like getting ready for the redesign but it looks absolutely perfect out here.
4: No, no, the, court, the course is in great shape and the amount of great golf that is that is going to be played the next couple of days is just going to be phenomenal. and the the, the boy, most of the boys have, have just now teed off in the older age group so we won't have uh, too many results for you currently but as the day goes along make sure to go to um, okgolf.org and they'll have all the updates um, as the matches go along and we'll have some coverage for you guys tomorrow on our Instagram and Twitter pages covering the tournaments as well um the final matches at least and so but one thing guys i want to bring up is that you know match play is such a we talk about it whenever the the big tournaments out there you know down in austin and how volatile it can be and it's it's the same way in junior golf i mean just because you have a a top you know 50-ranked junior in the world playing against someone who's in the thousands doesn't mean that they can't go out and beat them on 18 holes. And I don't know about you, Sam, but I think Kicking Bird's a really good match play golf course. It
1: it really is. You have different holes, such as, like, a number two, which you can drive, and it it really has some good holes coming down the stretch. Number 18, uh, probably where I hit my most memorable shot when I won the uh, uh, PGA Junior Championship here, um, over here. So, you know – I just, what was the shot? Don't leave everybody wondering. Okay, so I hit it in the left rough and anyone who knows this hole easily, at Kicking no, Bird. No good. I, I was 13 years old, but I was playing up and, uh, and basically there was a PGA Junior Series, so it was a big tournament. Kids from all around the country and I was playing this kid named Matt Green. I lost a five shot lead. I hit a three wood. <laughs> this is how young I was. I hit a three wood from 185 to like Ten feet and, so, nice. and secured secured the bag, but uh, no. But speaking of the course, I mean, it, I really like the back nine, but this front nine really allows you to have some swings on the front nine as far as match play goes. Um, and t up real quick before uh, we get off the match play subject. Here at the Junior Boys Championship, it reminds me of uh, when you, when me and you were playing at Fairfax uh, in the in the same tournament, and the late great Kyle Lewis, uh, RIP, uh, was playing in that final group, and then I was playing in the final group with uh, Taylor Moore, and I think you made a run in that tournament as well, um, and it just takes takes me back, has a bunch of memories and um, it's really cool for these kids once these kids start going home and going home and then all of a sudden you go in to have lunch and there's like three or four people there, you know, and so (laughs) after having the whole tournament and that's what you want, that's what you live for. And so it's really impressive stuff from these kids and I I wish I could go back and play one more.
4: Well it's funny that you mentioned that because you know like we're we're how many every years later since playing this tournament and we still have so many great memories from it. You know, unfortunately one of them is the late great Kyle Lewis, one of the greatest individuals I had ever met and like I've mentioned before One of the few times Where I literally Just got my ass beaten There was nothing I could do <laughs> It's one of those days Where there's nothing I can do And so I mean he was He was a great golfer But even a better person And, and rest in peace And and just uh, Yeah like you said Sam just brings up Great memories And hopefully all the juniors Playing out there today can, can realize the same thing That you know Just even if you win or lose It doesn't really matter You know you're still Going to have memories That are That'll last probably A lifetime mm-hmm. in all honesty
0: Yeah and it's so cool For them to come out here And play this golf course I mean really uh, One of the last tournaments That'll be played out here I think they've got a a Kicking Bird Classic, something going on next week. We'll ask Brian about that uh, whenever he joins us. But just a great, great golf course. And, guys, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that we're about 100 yards from one of the greatest moments in the history of Oklahoma golf, and that is my hole-in-one. The took oh, place here in know. September on number three. It's there the it only is. one I've got. Right. It was... Mega lucky! It (laughs) carried
4: the bunker by about a
0: yard. It landed on the downslope and it kicked forward about thirty feet, hammered
4: into the flagstick, and dropped. And I tell you what, we've got a lot of special memories here at Kicking Bird. Sam has the best shot he's ever hit here. You have your first hole in one. I shot my first round in the sixties here, and and I shot my first my first bogey free round here. All right, so tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, but
1: I think that Kicking Bird might be the best public course that I've ever seen.
4: Now, 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 now I'm having to pick favorites, and and, and it's tough. Whenever you talk it's about like, whenever you talk about design of golf course in particular, I love I love the design of Kicking yeah. Bird. I just did. I mean, obviously for the two reasons I mentioned, this course isn't easy, but yet I've it's always suited my eye for yeah. whatever reason. And um, like you said, talking about match play, the volatility that you can have. You know, you got a hole like nine out here. I think they're kind of going to change it up a little bit with the renovations, but it's a you know kind of a risk reward par five. And like you mentioned two earlier, and there's so many holes out here where, you know, it's 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 not a tight golf course by any stretch, but you can put yourself in some really bad positions. Mm-hmm. There's some dense tree areas that'll get you. And so... I mean I think I think the match play portion is gonna be brilliant. Um and I think it's gonna be one of those deals of you might run into a buzzsaw like I did with Kyle Lewis that one year where a guy just shoots nine or ten under and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and you know, I was talking
1: I was saying that it's the best I've ever seen, then I went back in my mind, I'm like, Well, we have Lincoln and Hefner too. Hefner obviously where I learned how to play golf and then Lincoln is one Lincoln West is one of the best courses in the city as well. And so we're so lucky in Oklahoma City. I say it all the time when we talk about this, but you know, I played golf in Kansas City for four years, and there's not many public courses that even compete with this, not even close. Uh, they're all private. All the nice courses are private, so we're really lucky in, o- in the Oklahoma City metro area to have so many uh, courses that are like country clubs, but they're public.
0: Yeah, and you know, Kicking Bird is obviously really nice, and it's about to get nicer, boys. I mean, they're, they're dumping a whole bunch of money into this thing, doing a big redesign. Uh, I believe they're bringing in Bermuda Greens, bland, brand new big clubhouse, doing some renovations on the course. Uh, I think that they've already converted some tennis courts to pickleball courts, Pick- Ball starting to become a thing. I mean, they're really doing it up right here at Kicking Bird. Uh, and I can't remember exactly how long it is they're going to be closed. We'll, we'll ask Brian whenever he joins us. Uh, but, I mean, this place is only going to keep getting better. It's just uh, it's amazing the way the city of Edmond continues to invest in this golf course. And it really is kind of a golf haven for amateurs in the state of Oklahoma. They've got a lot of uh, big stuff out here they do for younger golfers. Uh, and it's amazing to see that continue and continue to grow. Uh, it's going to be weird, though, having Kicking Bird closed for a while. It's gonna be. It's it's just yeah. always here. You want to go play with your buddies? We gonna oh, let's run up to Kicking Bird this Saturday or Tuesday, whatever day you play. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's an institution in Oklahoma golf, especially here in the metro area. So it's gonna be weird uh, whenever it's down for a year. Or so yeah. we'll have Brian Sorensen on here in just a few. We're gonna have Taylor Moore on here in just a few. Uh, we've got some more great guests coming up here from Kicking Bird. We do have an event on the PGA Tour this week, the Palmetto Championship, taking the place of the RBC Canadian Open, and they are playing at Congaree Golf Club, which is a Tom Fazio design. Out in South Carolina, and I tell you what, fellas, I don't know just about anything about Congaree Golf Club. It's basically <laughs> brand new, and it looks phenomenal. I mean, the pictures that we've seen, uh, some of the shots this week on Golf Channel, it looks like a great golf course. Uh, you know, it's South Carolina, so it's going to be you know a lot of sand, a lot of waste areas like that, uh, some swamps, stuff like that. But I mean, it looks like an awesome golf course. But I mean, let's be honest, coming in. Nobody knows anything about it. We're all trying to speculate and figure it out, just as much as the next guy. Yeah,
1: and you know, I, obviously Fazio um, in 2017. So I'm really excited to kind of see it. The first course, uh, the uh, oh, what was it? The the concession, right? And, and yeah. in Florida, and that's the other one that yeah. we didn't, that we haven't ever seen before. I thought that tournament went great, so I'm excited to see this one. Really interesting that we had three PGA tournaments uh, in South Carolina this year. That's kind of an interesting uh, situation there that, that you wouldn't guess that South Carolina would have three PGA tournaments in a year, but they have this year. Um, Yeah, just um, you know, winner gets 500 FedEx Cup points, par 71, 76... or fifty five, and so I'm I'm really excited to see how it goes.
4: Yeah, no, I mean we can um, we'll look up. I want to make sure, uh, yeah, because when the strength of field will be out, we'll do our strength of field game after the break, after we have our guests. And you know, I'm reading up here, guys. You know, uh, Congre, uh lobbied to get the uh, 2026 President's Cup, but they lost out to Medina, which is uh, which is of course that we know that's where uh, Sergio had the run up uh, trying to chase down Tiger when Tiger won a second major championship. So, but no, this is uh, got to so be- Sergio got his his major shortly thereafter, though. Yeah, eighteen years. Eighteen uh, years later. Yeah. But it's better late than never. right? Better late than never, but, exactly know, right. And you know, guys, one one of the reasons that we are seeing this golf course is we yeah. talked about it on our last show. Is the fact of we're not going to Canada. We're not. Right. We're, we're not at RBC yeah. Canada, which is I don't know about you guys, and it was just one of the courses. Glen Abbey was my, one of my favorite courses. I liked on tour. I, I, I miss watching that course in that tournament. I mean, it's they, t- they Tiger had one of his greatest
0: shots ever up there.
4: Yeah, on eighteen. Yeah. yeah, on the par five. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it. And, and
0: Rory had
1: his big win there a couple years ago. He did. He did. And and TG I don't know if that was at Glen really Abbey though. I think it was just. No, you're right.
0: It wasn't at Glen Abbey. It was the RBC Canadian Open, but it was not Glen Abbey.
1: Hey, so at um, Congree Golf Club, they don't have members; they have ambassadors that are invited to be a part of the club uh, and, be to, uh, <laughs> and be invited to and be invited to do their uh, fundraising and uh, activities and everything. So. If you were building a golf club, who would you invite to be the ambassador of your golf club?
0: Oh, probably Brian Sorensen, if I had to guess, the uh, head pro out here at Kicking Bird. <laughs> throw on want a headset. Join us. Join us. Head pro Brian Sorensen. Out here at Kicking Bird, getting around. Just an, an awesome tournament that we run out here. We'll circle back uh, to Congaree because I do want to answer that question <laughs> of who we would invite. But first on the list would, would have to be uh, our man Brian Sorensen. Brian, we appreciate you joining us. Awesome tournament out here. You, uh, y'all you having some fun the past couple days?
2: Oh, we love this event. I mean, um, you guys, I know Sam, Taylor, you guys have played in this before. We take so much pride in being able to host this event. We started this. This is our 12th year running this event. And then many of you are friends and know of Taylor Moore. You know, I've worked with him when he was in high school, and have, we've reconnected right now. And um, for him to think about giving back to the game that you guys love so much and to help sponsor with Sean King and take this tournament to an AJGA level, I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to walk around, but just like the ropes, right? the signage. What we do on behalf of the golf course, it's closed to the general public until the kids have teed off. So, basically, they feel like this is their place for this time. And it's just, it's some of the best golf that, that I get to see all year. And these kids, just like yesterday, is 63 out there on the course. And I mean, and it's just, it's just really neat. And like I told the kids yesterday... They have a choice on their schedule. You guys did too. Am I going to play in the AJGA over here or am I going to stay and try to win my state championship? And working with the OGA, we wanted to make our state championship that important that kids felt it was a really good deal to stay at home and try to win their state championship.
4: Yeah, and Sam can probably attest to this as much as I can. There's so much pride that you have trying to go for that to say that you are the junior state champion of Oakland because one thing we talk about is how much great junior golf there is in Oklahoma. You know, it's not like winning the junior championship in Alaska or anything like that. You know, I mean, this, the right. competition here is phenomenal. And, you know, obviously one of the big news that's going around the state is the renovations that are coming up to Kicking Bird. You guys will be shutting down recently to make all kinds of changes. So kind of divvy into that a little bit on uh, what's all uh, coming up for the future of Kicking Bird.
2: Well, that's why I was a little bit late for this conversation, but literally talking with the architects and getting this thing ready to go out for bid. But really, really exciting project. want to first and foremost thank the city leadership, you know, and everyone for supporting this because this doesn't come without a cost, of course. But, um, Brand new clubhouse. We're going to be building a new tournament hall, which is going to be fantastic. We're calling it a tournament hall slash banquet hall because what we're really trying to position ourselves is is a community clubhouse. So you don't have to be a golfer to come up here and enjoy the great food, enjoy the great views. High school graduation parties, wedding receptions, those kind of things in our tournament hall. Of course, we'll have our new clubhouse. We're going to have a driving range pavilion, hopefully um, that will have that entertainment type of golf experience, like a Top Golf four hitting bays, more of that top golf experience, and then we have on the plans, as an ad alternate, an indoor teaching facility. So when the weather's bad, we wanna bring in, you know, golfers to be able to practice indoors, a four bay indoor teaching facility on the north end of our driving range. And then, as we started to put that package together, the discussion became, well, our greens are gonna need replacing, and we need a new irrigation system, so we don't wanna build a new clubhouse and then shut down a couple years later. Why don't we try to do everything together? Which, yes, that increased the cost of the project, but I think it made sense. You don't want to open up a new clubhouse and then three years later shut down. So, what we decided to do is we are going to be replacing all of our greens um, and we are going to go back down with bent grass. You know, that's a bent popular grass. topic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with 007 bent grass. Uh, many of you live in this area. You can even see down under number one tee, we had a horrible freeze that came through and a lot of Bermuda got set back or died. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that wasn't the final decision we were i personally have always been i like bent grass i know it stresses out in the summertime and but there's always pros and cons to both so we landed on 007 bent grass we're going to go with bent grass greens we're going to reposition a few holes because of our tournament hall that's going to be literally sitting on top of number nine green hole number nine is now going to become a pretty challenging par four Where hole number four, if any of you had played here prior to Mark's renovation, used to be a double dog leg par five. It's going to go back to that position to where you'll be playing it as a par five. The long hitters, of course, will go over the trees and try to hit the green in two. (laughs) But the proper way to play it would be to lay up for about 80 yards out and then hit a little lob wedge in there or something like that. But that's going to be exciting to go back. We'll keep par at 70, and then we're going to reposition a couple other greens at 12 and 16 and do a few other changes (laughs) like that. As part of the project, we are looking to try to put in some new Bermuda fairways as well. We're looking at springing them in-house, and we've gone around and looked at the different type of varieties. We're either going to do Latitude 36 or Tahoma. We're not sure yet, um, but it really, I mean, Oklahoma City Golf and Country Club and some of the others have got the Latitude 36 and some of that. and so. Really good playing conditions. I think one of the biggest changes that the golfers will find out here is what you're seeing at a lot of golf courses. I see it at Oak Tree National already is where they're really mowing down the surrounds of these greens to this very tight, but yet playable even to the average golfer where you can putt from it. You can hit a hybrid off of it or the real skilled players like you have to be at Oak Tree National hit these unbelievable lob shots off the stuff.
1: I'm so excited to see the renovations out here. Obviously, I'm glad that y'all are going back to bent greens because you guys have been probably the best in the city at keeping your bent greens fast throughout the summer uh, and not losing them at right. the same time, which has to be a tough job for you and your staff. Um, yep. You know, but uh, And then it, you can speak to that a little bit about how you guys do that and how, how you are um, probably on another level as compared to other courses in the city as far as the speed of the greens and the health of the greens.
2: Well, I appreciate you recognizing that because reality that comes down to our superintendent and Brad Joll has been with me over 20 years. He's fantastic, and yes, I do cause him some headaches because what we try to shoot for is about nine and a half to ten on the stem. Well, come July, that's pretty hard <laughs> if you're trying to have bent grass greens at nine and a half to ten. So of course they're going to slow down. One of the inconveniences to our public play, literally, is having the greens waterers out there watering the greens while you're trying to play so we do get those complaints from time to time but if i and the pro shop can educate our golfers that we need to be out there hand watering so that our greens can stay in good shape then we'll be great but just like we're doing this week we have mowed and rolled every day you go out there and putt now they're close to 11 on the stem, cool. and it's good and the greens are firm and it's great fantastic for this tournament just being honest not the best for public play you don't want to slow up play with three putts and four putts. Right. So a lot of the importance on that as well is where the, the flags are being put. And I will tell you this, Mark Hayes back in 1997 did a phenomenal job of designing these greens with plenty of pinnable positions. Because you can't do that out at Oak Tree National yeah. and have, you know what I mean, a mm-hmm. bunch of pinnable positions because yeah. there's so much slope. Right. So.
1: You, you said you guys are redoing the clubhouse. I hope you keep the food the same because it's my absolute <laughs> favorite. Uh, but I wanted you to speak uh, a little bit about Taylor Moore. We're about to have him on here in about five minutes or so. Um, just speak a little bit about his improvement over the years um, and where do you see – um, obviously, he's continued to get better and better and better, and I've seen him since I was eight years old. Um, just spe- And you've seen, you've taught him ever since he was little, and so just tell me a little bit about his improvement and what you've seen over the years and what makes him great now.
2: Well, I tell you what, it's been a true blessing. I mean, literally, I've said this before, but I consider him like a son. I mean, it's it's more than just golf pro-golfer relationship, and that's usually what I try to do with all the kids that I teach. We try to get that relational level where – a lot of what I'm finding is not just how is your golf swing? It's how do you get the ball in the hole and how do you play the game and mindset and all that stuff. But you know, I'll never forget I was sitting in my office and he had just moved here from Arkansas and I get my marshal that comes in here and says, "I have got a 12-year-old kid out here hitting a lob shot with a La Jolla club wedge that you won't believe." And then I got to uh, I got to see him hitting those shots and then of course Rod and I are very good friends and so I started teaching him at a very young age, and he started having some pretty good success, as you guys well know. In high school, won a couple of state championships, did extremely well at Arkansas, went out, and then had a really good uh, first year out on the Canadian tour. And he and I were working very well the first year out on the the, the web.com at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was close to getting his card that year. I mean, and it was really, really fun and all that. And then I totally respected. He and I have this kind of relationship. He came to me and said, Brian... I know you're a golf pro, and you can't be out there with me. You can't teach, and I get it, but we have those kind of conversations because, man, I love the guy, and and we have such a good relationship. I totally respected that, but I got a call. It was so cool the way this all happened. I got a call about six, seven weeks ago. He had just missed the cut again. He goes, let's reconnect, and I said, man, the only time I got Sunday is my day off. Where do you want to go? He said, let's meet at Jimmy Austin. I said, perfect, I'll meet you at Jimmy Austin. He drove up from Dallas. I drove down to Jimmy Austin. I called Rodney Young. I said, you mind if I go work with Taylor? And we spent two hours out on the driving range, and from that day forward, you can look on the deal. From his last cut till right now, he is just playing some outstanding golf. Now, he's made a lot of other strides in a lot of other areas, as you well know. Fitness, mental side of the game, how to play the game. And credit also, and I hope he'll talk about it too, I met his caddy Chris down in Arlington when he placed tied for third. I went down there and watched him down there. That is very important as well, and I think he can speak to that. How important a caddy is to getting you around the golf course and keeping you in the focus, how to execute shots. It's not about all this track man stuff of, man, you're at a plus one or a minus four or this, that, and the other. I think too many kids are getting caught up in the technicality of that. How do you get the ball in the hole and play the game? And I think he's learning it, and he's getting there. And to have him at twentieth on the list is really good. As so we move yeah. forward,
4: and you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, that you guys what, what that you guys started working back recently. What what were some things that you guys worked on in particular? Where you because you mentioned it's not all about your track, man. It's about you know just getting the ball in the hole. What what were some messages that you conveyed to Taylor that have kind of sparked maybe sparked some of his good play?
2: Well, and I think it's all about the feedback that I get from the student. So when he tells me something like, I can't even feel the ball on the face. Well, to me, that's compressing the golf ball. How are we at the hitting zone and those kind of things? So literally, we started literally things as simple as landing the club. When he and I would go through these little routines and literally I could show you on my phone, he just sent me pictures like 20 minutes ago, just double checking these positions of getting the club in the right spot, coming down into the golf ball. And is he covering the ball with his chest, simple things like that and it just clicks with him. And I think a lot of it, as you guys know, you've worked with different teachers, and I tell kids this to this day. If we're not a good match, go find another one. And I have actually worked with kids. A great example, Zane Heisel that's down at Abilene Christian. playing some great golf. I said, go see Ryan Rohde. I mean, we're at a place where we're not maybe getting you to improve where you need to go. I have no problem because, for me, it's always the kid's best interest in that. So it's back to your question, Taylor. It's simple stuff. Where is the club in relationship? Is it stuck behind you? Are you getting a little bit more out in front? You guys know Taylor. He's pretty athletic. He can fire those hips. And literally one little adjustment we made last week was his elbow was getting caught stuck behind him. And we said, hey, just try to get it out in front of you a little bit. He makes that and then goes out and literally competed to try to win the event last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And his parents were able to be down there and see that, too. And it's just... Like I said, and one thing I really appreciated is his character and him wanting to give back, as you see out here. It's just been great, and it's a blessing, and uh, I just wish the best for him. And I'm looking forward. I'm going to go up to Crestview and hopefully see him next week on Tuesday. We're going to spend some time up there, so it'll be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and the relationships that you've built and the way people talk about Kicking Bird and about the way things are handled here, I mean, the reputation is just absolutely through the roof. And I understand that there was a big Kicking Bird reunion last week, a couple weeks ago. Uh, a bunch of people were in town. How'd
2: that go, and what, what brought that about? Oh, man. I tell you, that was fantastic, and thanks to... Sam your dad came out Craig was fantastic He's such a good guy And, we, and he was out here But literally we knew We were going to be Shut down the golf course This is our 50th anniversary this year We opened in May of 1971 So we knew we were going To try to celebrate Something like that And literally that was One of the reasons Why we even backed up The reconstruction process A little bit Not all But we wanted to make sure That we could celebrate Our 50th anniversary So I contacted All the old pros So we brought back The old guard We had the original pro Art Proctor out here We brought Steve Ball back uh, Mike Heinen has been a pro out here. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it. And then, unfortunately, the fourth pro, Terry Evans, he had, he had passed away. And then myself. So we've had five pros. And then, wouldn't you know, Art had to put together a team. And so who does he bring out? He brings out Dr. Gil Morgan. He brings <laughs> out David Edwards, and he's got himself. I said, Art, you do have to count one low net ball. You've got to get a handicapped guy in here somehow. Because we played a four-person shamble. But we had over 160 guys that either were range rats here Worked in the golf shop, golf professionals. Mark Felder was out here playing, but it was probably one of the most special days. It probably is the most special day I've had just bringing everybody back. It was all about relationships because I think you brought up what makes us a little bit different. My superintendent asked me this one day. Literally, here at Kicking Bird, it's about that relationship. And it's knowing your name when you come out here. If you're a regular at Kicking Bird... We're going to be calling you, hey, Taylor, what's going on? Hey, Sam, what's going on? We're going to be calling you by name because we should know you by now because you come out and spend a lot of time out here with us, and we love it. And so it was a special day. We had a morning-afternoon shotgun. We celebrated it up. It was great.
4: Oh, yeah. yeah, no, and I mean, that's that's kind of the country club country club vibe that you get, you know, when you have like 50 members, you know, that kind of thing. Right, you guys right. see more than 500 people a day, probably, that yeah. kind of thing. So kind of give everyone um, that's listening a timetable on Keeking Bird, because, you know, we'll all be eager to come back and play it once it's reopened. So um, about how long will everything take? What's the official shutdown date? And
2: uh, kind of just fill us all in. I'm so glad you brought that up. Rumor on the street, and we were planning on the 14th. That's why we're trying to slam so much in. But right now, scheduled close date is going to be July the 1st, so... So the last day of operations will be June the 30th. Then we shut down and we start on all of our golf course stuff. We hope to. Clubhouse demolition is starting later part of July. We start constructing it and we're hoping to be back open within 14, 15 months. So that would be putting us either October 1st or November 1st of 2022. And literally, you know, we'll see how the construction, you guys have heard about all the increases in prices and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, but hopefully without any delays, we hope it'll open the fall of 2022. So we're super excited about it. And uh, I think it'll put us, position us for the next 50 years as well.
1: That's awesome. and then. This isn't the last tournament, if I'm correct. Is there there one last tournament? Uh, We do, and
2: I wish you guys were – you guys need to sign up for it, actually. We actually have our Kicking Bird Classic which is coming out this this Saturday and Sunday and it's 36 hole individuals stroke play championship bring what you got championship flights great we're also putting our senior championship on the same weekend so we'll be doing a senior championship a kicking bird classic because we thought our closing day was going to be Monday the 14th but it's not (laughs) and we're okay with that it's good oh it's a busy week we're right behind this but as I tell everybody this is the best time to come out and play too because of course Brad's got in fantastic shape, and it, it's really going you don't well. don't have to worry so. about
1: losing the greens.
2: Get Not at all. Yeah, I was going to say it's June, and we can still roll and mow. We're good. We can't do that in July. Th-
4: will you guys be like uh, Jack was at Muirfield last year, where the last group on the course, you're going to be right behind them tearing
2: the greens up? Wasn't that unbelievable where you could literally have people just burying their putters in the greens or whatever? I don't think Brad would still like to allow me to do that, but we could maybe do that. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, go out to your least favorite green and just <laughs> – And just, just take a filet yeah, out of absolutely. it. Man, this, this whole costume me, my match play. Absolutely, 100 <laughs> kind of
0: Well, I know it's a very busy week, and we appreciate you taking some time. Unbelievable place out here. Uh, unbelievable tournament, and
2: we can't wait to see what it looks like in fall of 22. Well, guys, and I mean this. Thanks so much for out covering this, because I've always said this. You guys played in this. I can't believe we don't have more media here, seeing, as you brought up, The best junior golf in the country is, like, right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. I've believed that since, I mean, I came here. So, it's fantastic and really appreciate you guys coming out. Absolutely, Thank you so much for your time, Brian. Welcome anytime. Thank you. You. That was
0: Brian Sorensen, the head pro here at Kicking Bird Golf Club. Uh, Great stuff. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. A lot more to dive into on today's edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.
5: When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McCray Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs.
0: Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Great to be out at Kicking Bird Golf Club here in Edmond today for a great event, the 2021 OGA Junior Boys and Girls Championship presented by Taylor Moore. Taylor Moore will be joining us here in just a little bit. He's out in uh, Carolina this week for a tournament mm-hmm. on the Corn Fairy Tour as he tries to earn his PGA Tour card.
4: Yeah, I think PGA and Corn Fairy Tour are both in South Carolina this week. so It's popping off in South Carolina. How about that? Almost as much as it's popping
0: off at Kicking Bird. It is lunchtime at Kicking Bird and and uh, people are enjoying this great grill, which, like you said, hopefully doesn't change after the redesign because the food here is uh, just to the moon.
1: Yeah. In high school, we used to have off-campus lunch, and we uh, other people would go to, like, Burger King <laughs> yep, and stuff. Yep. We'd go to Kicking Bird.
0: That's awesome. That's so great. So, so great. Not a far drive from Evan North, is it?
1: No, it's right down the street. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So By the way. Before we had Brian on, we were talking about ambassadors. So like I was explaining before the break, they only have ambassadors that are invited to be a part of the club, kind of like Augusta National, uh, and then they help with the fundraising for the club, right? And so basically you just accept the invitation or you don't. You don't, you know, apply to be a member of of this club. Uh, And so who would you all have as your number one ambassador if you ever made a golf club?
0: Tiger, Eldrick,
1: Woods. I think I think mine would be Tiger.
0: (laughs) I mean, what like? Let's just go celebrities though, non golfers or Tom Watson. Um, Tom Watson would be a good one. Celebrities like a a movie star, like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio would be good. Denzel Washington. I mean, can you can you imagine you roll up to your local club and Denzel's on the putting green? Shooter McGavin. There you go. Oh, (laughs) Shooter McGavin has to be. (laughs) What about Chevy Chase? I mean, no.
4: Ken Kevin happy Gilmore... What about uh, Kevin Costner? But
1: Happy Gilmore, Gilmore is a thousand times better than Caddyshack. Caddyshack oh, no, is Let's not get Now you're get into saying this. things
4: to say things. We can't get into this at Kicking Bird. We'll disrupt too many people. <laughs> That's true. We will. We will it's disrupt not everyone even close.
0: Well, but then we would have a bunch of people walking over here telling Sammy's crazy and that Caddyshack's
4: the better movie. That's what we should do. We Actually, should just know, yell at everyone and say, hey, which movie's better? Actually, yeah, I don't know because
0: head. a lot of people in here right now are juniors and they might not have seen Caddyshack. Caddyshack came out in like 1980. I mean, it's a classic. But I mean, just, it's been around a day or two. Happy Gilmore is old too. Was,
4: Happy Gilmore is I will, old. I will say this about Caddyshack: one thing that gets a bad rap is it gets shown on the Golf Channel all the time, and that's the uh, that's the unedited or that's the edited yes. version. Unedited yeah. version much better. You can't watch the edited version of Caddyshack. You just can't do it. You don't even yeah. know what the movie is until you see the unedited.
1: It's right. totally different. Right. Uh, hey, you speak-
0: scratched my anchor. <laughs>
4: Speaking of unedited, how, hashtag how high.
0: Oh, hashtag how high. Who we got? Uh, who we got? Lucas Glover. <laughs> oh, Lucas, Lucas Glover.
4: Fun fact, unless <laughs> Lucas Glover was the 2009 U.S. Open champion, if he does not win this week in South Carolina, he will not be at Tory next week. Oh, wow. he, he is on a list of, and I, I want to go over that here in a little bit, of some big names that are not in the U.S. Open. But as for how high, I will go with, I think he got in the single digits. Give me nine. I don't. Uh, he was a good player back he in He was day. a good player. He's, he's always been a no punt sum ago. I don't I
0: don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he ever got single digits. His wife will tell you. I don't think he ever got single digits. I'm going to go uh,
1: 14. Give me 14. 15th <sighs> after the nice. after the 2009 PGA where he finished 5th place. He was actually What a year. 18th after year for the ago. U.S. Open in 2009, people
4: forget how good Lucas Glover was, man. Well, I mean, he, he, he ha-
1: played with no
0: glove too, well, which is the, one of the more impressive things well, I've and ever one seen. One of the best okay. oxymorons ever—that guy, last name Glover, goes <laughs> no glove. I mean, it's yeah. just incredible. But that's what the 2009 PGA is most known for—is Lucas Glover finishing fifth.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, not the <laughs> Y Yang comeback of all time. I don't blessed. even know no, what no, you're talking about. I blocked that from memory. I remember Lucas Glover finishing fifth. I don't know who won the tournament. It's been blocked out of my head. <laughs> it's uh, and and it, Yang might have blocked out. Out of his head, too, because he ain't played good since. Yep, and apparently uh,
0: 2009 was about where Lucas Glover peaked, and he's still been good. He had the, uh, what did he have the putt for, like 61 or something a couple years ago? Maybe he was putting for 60 <laughs> for like two feet, and then he had the viral YouTube no, video. You can't watch it. You'll, no, you'll go blind if you watch that video. He Okay, he missed the putt, obviously. He almost missed the ball. With his putter, well, the thing it, is, it went is off that, the circle T on the, the heel um, of the putter.
4: It's uh, how can you make such a short stroke and hit it so off center? That's what I don't understand. Like, <laughs> trust I, me, I, I I've done it. It's the right I mean, hand. I, that's I, why you got to switch the ball. I mean, clock. I've, I've, yeah. I guess I've done it too, but I mean, I don't even know because <laughs> like it's all, like you watch the video slow motion. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, please just Google Lucas Glover. Do not punt, do and that, you'll, and you'll don't figure... not do don't that. tell people to do that. And you're right because it could it could instigate <laughs> some some yip tendencies in your head because it's really bad but it also might make some people feel better about their putting stroke knowing that the pros can hit such horrible putts like that because it, it is truly astounding but it's almost <laughs> like he hit he like he didn't even hit the full ball he hit half the ball with the heel it's like and, it, and it's a three foot putt it wasn't even three feet you know, I think it, it was t- I think it was more two maybe two and a half I'm, yeah. tri- I'm trying to be nice to Lucas here guys uh, come on somebody has to you know I'm trying I'm doing my best <laughs> absolutely Lucas
0: Glover good stuff so draft that was a good how high this week well we got to do strength of field oh yeah strength we got to do, do, we gotta do
4: strength of field I already pulled. It up, and so unfortunately, if I said it, I'd be cheating, so y'all uh, go ahead and guess. But I we, think, uh, 287. Let, let, let me, I'll put it into context. He took my guess. I was going to guess 287. <laughs> <laughs> 287 and a half, Colby. Uh, DJ's in the field,
0: so I'll say that gives it a little bit of a boost. Uh, I think that takes it all the way up to 300, and let's call it 69. Boy, you guys are way off. 200.
4: I wasn't that far off 200? He was a lot closer than I was Oh, special guest here 200 is a pretty low strength of the field It would
0: probably be higher if Mark Felder was in the field (laughs) There it is If you were in the field this week at the Palmetto Championship Would it up the strength of the field? That's the first question (laughs)
4: <laughs> I thought this was a serious show. <laughs> when would you ever get that impression?
0: <laughs> uh, Mark Felder with the OGA joining us here. We're
4: here at Kicking Bird for the 2021
0: OGA Junior Boys and Girls Championship presented by Taylor Moore. And what an unbelievable event. Great golf course. People are in here having a good time. Uh, just talk a little bit about this event and how long you've been doing it and just
3: how special it is uh, to you and to the juniors here in the state. We brought it here, I believe, in 2010 was when we moved it to Kicking Bird. And Brian and I had a vision to turn it into – like a little mini junior tour event and then taylor jumped on board with us and the way kicking bird and brian take care of this tournament is just unbelievable i mean you guys played junior golf yep yep i don't know if you played in this or not y'all getting old but <laughs> you're right on that they do a, they do I an did, outstanding I did. I this. job I did. of taking care And when taylor jumped on board it just added enough that you know there's there's gatorade and water and food for the kids the snacks out there when they get to the holes and it's just incredible and then that being that, but the talent that we have is just over the top. I mean obviously everybody just watched the golf national championship and where were the kids from? Oklahoma. Here, Oklahoma. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we got OU and OSU in there and we had three of our kids were on on the big show and it's just it's just so fun to watch these kids. Well, you two both. Y'all are about four foot 11 one, one year, and then the next year you show back up with full beards, and it's, uh, it's just watching these kids grow up. It's incredible.
4: Yeah, you know, so, Mark, you, you, like you said, you've been hosting out here since 2010, and even, uh, you know, before that, we played at Fairfax and yeah. some other great golf course. You know, how, how have you seen the evolution of Oklahoma Junior Golf change since you started doing this um, back whenever you did? Well, it,
3: the evolution of Junior Golf goes back to when I was a junior. And when, when I played school golf, uh, we – Jim Woodward and I were teammates. Robin Freeman was on our team. We laughed. If you shot even par in any of our tournaments back then, you were leading the tournament or one of the leaders. Somebody would shoot one or two under every now and then, but basically you got around even par. There's been years you couldn't get to the match playing this tournament shooting even par. We got years now you can't get in our state and shooting even par. You got to shoot under par to even qualify to get to the tournament. So, you know, yesterday uh, Stoller's 63, that was a 63. It was. It came this far from being a 62 on 18 that I saw the putt just did everything but go in, and he gave two or three other stories out there where it could have been even lower than that. And I asked him, I said, 63, your lowest round. He said competition. I think he's got a couple of 62s or ones at the Patriot that he shot. So these I mean, kids, are. you guys remember, y'all were the same way. They're, they're not scared of making birdies anymore. In my days... We would get a couple under par. We had to make a double real fast to get back to around even because that was where everybody was comfortable. <laughs> These kids now, even the girls, they just start making birdies, and they just keep going. It's, I call it the Tiger Wood epidemic because he just showed you can birdie them all and just keep going. Someday, somebody's going to shoot 18 under. It's going to happen one day.
1: Yeah, I, Mark, I just want you to speak a little bit um, about Maury Rose and what he's done. Uh, for the OJGT. Obviously, you're with the OGA, but they work together on things like this. Just speak a little bit about all the work that Maury puts in um, and y'all's friendship and just tell me a little bit about um, how he's impacted junior golf in the state of Oklahoma.
3: Well, we laugh around the office because I believe Maury and I probably played golf against each other the first time about 45 years ago. (laughs) And I know a veterinarian, and we're paying him money to put Maury to sleep because it's time that we euthanize him. uh, But Maury, he's a gift of love to the game of golf. I mean, he's truly a guy that only does it because he wants to do it. I mean, he doesn't need the money, and he obviously doesn't need to spend all the time, but he loves nothing more than than junior golf and and watching you guys grow up and become the guys that that you are now. And It's a... Maury's is, is it, it's a very special, special thing. There's some people in Oklahoma that'll probably never be recognized the way they should as far as what they've done for Oklahoma and the game in Oklahoma. And the the top three on my list are uh, Maury Rose, Ken McLeod, and then I'm having a senior moment the first tee at uh, Tulsa. Oh, oh man. man.
4: Well, we, uh, have, we have Craig Humphries and Debbie Martin for Oklahoma
3: City. Yeah, they're, they're, they're here too, but uh, those three are the ones that that come to me right off the bat and I'm sorry I'm having a senior moment can't remember her name but it's uh it's just incredible what we've got you you know the the first T program over there and the first T program we've got over here what Debbie does and the guy I'm on the board of the first T here with Debbie and and your dad and and uh I'm not as active as I should be with them because I got other other things going at the same time but the kids' golf, it's just boom. Well, golf at all is booming right now because the virus has been incredible. One of the best lines I've heard Pat McCrate in Tulsa said, we've got them all back at the golf course. Now let's see if the golf pros can keep them. And, and being a PGA professional, that—that that is part of the deal. The guys have to keep them there now and give them a reason to come back to the golf course. And the kids are easy. The new thing we got going that I'm cooking right now is a new ladies' tournament. So we're trying to get our junior uh, our high school girls and our college girls and our great playing amateur women a place to, to, to play against each other and we're trying to put something together maybe in august this year if we can get them together it'll just be a purely grow, low gross tournament no flights anything else just bring your best and hit it and we'll put the number on the wall and see who wins but we're trying to do that to give our girls more playing opportunities than they have our college girls are kind of uh at a loss during the summer around here for something to play. We got the college guys something, so we're going to try to facilitate something for the girls.
0: Absolutely. And by the way, I, I looked up uh, First T. Tulsa. Janice. Janice Gibson. Janice Gibson. Janice, Janice Gibson Janice. hired
3: as the program director in 2001. So 20 years I mean, now I mean, it's been. No. Yeah. She got there the same year I got here. We've, we've both been at, at these positions for 20 years. And wow. Janice, Janice is, she's just like Maury. She's just complete love with her and the kids love her. And uh, they, they come and they think she's like their mom to, to a lot of the kids that have played with us, that are grown up, that have kids that are starting to play with us now. That's the bad thing about my job is you guys' kids are starting to play now. <laughs> we teed off something the other day at Dornick and one of the guys said, uh, some, he, was act, he, was, he was grabbing about his back hurting and he said, well, you know, I'm 39 years old. And I said, did I tee you off as a junior? And he said, oh yeah, yeah, as a junior. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! <laughs> Time flies, doesn't it? Especially it
4: does. when you're having fun. And you know, you know, obviously you're a you're a modest guy yourself. But you're but you're you're a stick, Mark. I mean, so tell us a little bit about your game. What uh, what do you still bring to the table? You used to be able to. You,
3: you talk about you'd make a birdie or two, then make double. That's not how I remember the stories. I don't tell any story. Well, you tell the stories then, because I. Uh, <laughs> Let other people talk about the stories. I I don't play much anymore. We get so busy in the summertime. I try to play some in the spring and fall, but I'm an extremely fair-weather golfer. So uh, we get going from the time this starts to through the Oklahoma Open. I might play once or twice all summer long because we've got something going on all the time getting ready for the next one or putting one to bed, but by the time I get home and mow and get back out of town, we're rocking and rolling. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. So I was just going to y'all been out here at Kicking Bird a ton, all the new renovations, everything that's going on out here. Uh, I mean, everybody's really excited for that. What does that mean for this tournament next year and moving forward and stuff like that once Kicking Bird's done and ready to roll?
3: This is uh, well, like they, this is our home, and Kicking Bird knows it's our home, and, and uh, we're coming back as soon as they reopen. We'll be back here the first year, and, and they know that. We'll be at Lincoln Park next year. Uh, to to facilitate the tournament there. The guys at Lincoln treat us great and uh, we're excited to get Kicking Bird back open and uh, get back out here. I heard you guys talking a while ago about Kicking Bird. It's going to be weird without Kicking Bird. I was here last week for week before for the 50th anniversary and I don't know, I heard Brian say something about it. It was the most incredible day to see 50 years of people re- reunite out here. And uh, it, was, it was, my first assistant pro job was here in 1977. And that was, you know, six years after it opened. And Art was kind enough to give me the opportunity and it started my career here. And I've just tickled to say that I, I started here at, at Kicking Bird. I've heard a bunch of
1: stories about Art Proctor. Do you have any that you can share about Art? Because he seems to be an absolute character out there. And and obviously um,
3: our listeners would love to hear a couple stories about Art Proctor. Art and I play golf together some in in our retirement years now that we, we've got old. And, no, we're sworn to secrecy on the stories. So uh, <laughs> if, if you want stories, you'll have to get them from somebody else. I'm, I'm not going to tattle on him. Anymore. I got gotcha. you. No,
4: well, no. uh, well, you were, you just said you were teammates with uh, Woody, so I was about to ask you a Woody story that would be appropriate for air because he comes on with us for every major. But uh, I don't yeah. know if there may be any good ones that may be
3: uh, airable since we got to keep them secret. Same, same story. I was going to say, just
0: knowing Woody, I don't even know how many of those Can't would be tell. appropriate.
3: Uh, the one thing I will say about Woody Woody, Woody was a year older than me in school and uh, in high school and Woody was the, the stud of the state and uh, he was always so kind to me when I was I was I was an average player in those days in, in the high school level and Woody was always more than kind to me and and we've been great friends we've been partners in many many tournaments as, 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 through our years in, in the PGA but Woody was always, the one thing I'll always say about Woody, he was so kind to me when he had absolutely no reason to be that nice to a young golfer. He, he, was, he was the best. Yeah, I I just wanted to ask you one last thing. You know, over the years you've had a bunch of people
1: help you out running these tournaments, such as Jay Doudekin and go on down the list. Um, Just tell people like what you guys do in a certain tournament week, um, the preparation you all put in for these tournaments, and and maybe give some people some insight on what all goes into running these events in Oklahoma.
3: The toughest thing on the tournaments is getting the venues. Uh, Golf golf courses are so busy, and and we're very blessed in Oklahoma that – our courses take such great care of us the southern hills and the cedar ridge and the oak trees and the twin hills they open their doors to let us have our championships because they understand you know we're bringing you guys when y'all were young in and the best amateurs and trying to keep golf going and but as far as the the preparation for the tournament it's it's a lot of paperwork on the rule sheets we laugh about the rule sheets there our two head rules bob phelps is our director of, of tournament operations and he he and uh Dane Williams. I spent a lot of time on the real sheets and, and you know it's something gets thrown away. You get stuffed in your bag and nobody reads them and, and these guys work PGA events. Bob's on the PGA committee so everything we try to do is first class. Sometimes it doesn't always look that way but we, we try to put out the best product that we can and and the preparation, the scorecards, the printing, the ink, the everything, we, we try to make it look as good. The tablecloth, I mean, yesterday, we're working all day yesterday to try to get that tablecloth to hang so the wind doesn't blow it so that it doesn't <laughs> look tacky down there because we want it to look professional. And that's what the guys doing. Jay on the scoreboards, I mean, you guys have been around forever. Jay's scoreboards are, are, are just, they look like tour boards. They're his, his, it's his, a work of art. His penmanship <laughs> is unbelievable. The guy can't write his name legibly, but he makes scoreboards. And that's the truth. But he does those scoreboards, and it looks like artwork, the way he does those numbers and things. But it's just like anything else. There's a lot of preparation. The actual tournament itself is the easy part. Mother Nature can make it a fun week or a miserable week. But everything else is, is generally the same except Mother Nature. And you guys have played plenty of our events that you know. On the nice, sunny days, everybody's in a good mood. And on the cold, rainy, windy days, everybody's gripey. And those aren't fun days. It was when, Out here Monday morning, I was so close to retirement, it wasn't even funny because that, <laughs> that misty rain was coming straight into that starter's tent. And everything I had was soaked, and all the paperwork was soaked. And I'm like, why am I standing out here freezing to death right now, drowning?
0: Well, you've done a lot of great things for golf in the state of Oklahoma, and this is a great tournament. We're happy to be out here. We appreciate you taking some time for us today. You've uh, you got some more work to do. Got matches this afternoon, I so
3: got, I got ten of the girls ready to go right now. So we're going. To thank you, guys, and we appreciate what you do. Absolutely, appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Mark, Mr. Felder. <laughs> That's Mark Felder
0: joining us here on the seventy-third hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma, and glad that he could take uh, a couple of minutes with us. And he's got to get back at it because there are more matches going on this afternoon here. This is the twenty twenty-one OGA Junior Boys and Girls Championship. Presentation presented by Taylor Moore. Uh, it was really cool to hear Mark talk there just about some of the people in the state of Oklahoma that have made amateur golf what it is over the past couple of decades. It's just, it's amazing the amount of work that goes into it, uh, and I hope that people appreciate the work that all of those people put in to make sure that golf does thrive in this state.
4: Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's paramount because we talk about how, how great junior golf is and how great golf general is in this state. And it all starts from the, from the bottom up. I mean, if if we didn't have facilities allowing juniors to play at great golf courses, or if we were being stingy and said, uh, or if the clubs are being stingy and said, "No, we don't want," you know, we want to be limited, if, like like uh, or whatever it is. If we want, if every club needed ambassadors to be a member at, you <laughs> yeah. know, we, we we might not be as growing. But Oklahoma, I mean, we just talked about so many stories. Um, Mr. Felder had intru- introduced a, a a kid in a tournament the other day who introduced his father in a t- yeah. junior tournament twenty something years ago. So I yeah. mean. Just the amount of growth that that this game has, especially in this state, is just it's I think it's a more like family close vibe than, and I would be surprised if other states were like that. Yeah, I
1: agree because it's a small enough state where everyone knows each other, but it's you know big enough to where we have great competition. And uh, I just wanted to tell people to go to okgolf.org or .com, .com, okgolf.com, and look at the tournament schedule, and you can see all the OGA tournaments and OJGT tournaments that are still open uh, that you can register for. Uh, The next one that's still open is the OGA Stroke Play Championship on June twenty. 1st that uh, registration closes on June 14th at 9 a.m. Central Time uh, and that will be played at Jimmy Austin and then there's a bunch of other great tournaments uh, coming up after that uh, so if you want to play uh, and compete in these tournaments the great OGA and OJGT uh, get, get online and uh, go register and um, it's not too expensive 200 buck entry fee and so um, go see if you can win some.
0: Yeah, and then after you do that, head over to GolfOklahoma.org. That's where you can find out what takes place at all these tournaments. Right now, number one headline, Goodman, Camus, repeat as OGA junior stroke play champ. So Golf Oklahoma has got you covered. You can also read there about the record four Sooners who are on the all Big 12 teams uh, and Ryan Hibble, coach of the year. Big 12 coach of the year. Uh, once again, second time, he's won that award and it's well deserved. He I mean, he's one of, if not the best coach in the entire country. So to see him get that recognition once again is just awesome. And uh, Andrew, Andrew Goodman is uh, an OU commit who won the stroke play out here yesterday and is one of, certainly one of the favorites in the match play. So uh, OU's got it rolling. Coach Hibble's got it rolling. Quade Cummins, Jonathan Brightwell, Logan McAllister, and Patrick Welch all earned all Big 12 uh, honors. So just great stuff going down, down at the University of Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, and he's probably one of the best recruiters in the country but he's an even better coach Once you don't see that very often once guys get there uh, that they're a great recruiter and an even better coach uh, and I say it all the time that OU uh, is just different as far as their brotherhood how they treat each other as players there's never any drama between the players they're all brothers um, and I I, I, tri- I attribute that to uh, Coach Hibble and what he's done and building the culture there.
4: Oh I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it I mean he, him and him and Alan Bratton up at OSU are just doing such a tremendous job and have led leading both of the uh, both the state schools to the promised land because I I remember growing up you know I grew up a big OU fan one of the main reasons that I liked OU golf growing up was because OSU was kind of the has always been the pinnacle right and OU especially when I was younger was you know they were a top 150 school at, at best in all honesty and then Hibble comes in and all of a sudden they're a top five program in the country and so I think that that is a tribute to and it's very similar to like what Mike McGraw did at Baylor I mean they were not very good at all then he comes in and they win how many they win more tournaments his first two years than they had in their entire history or whatever he said when he was when he joined us on their podcast so I mean, it's just, it, it, there's a different breed when it comes to college golf, because not only do you have to be able to see talent, but you have to be able to relate talent and also be able to relate to the kids, because everyone goes through different stuff, you know? And I mean, it's everyone, not only you are de- you dealing with kids that move in from 10 minutes away, you're dealing with kids that... Fly halfway across the country to come live, or different halfway countries, across the world, yeah. 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 Across, yeah, yeah, across the world, yeah. And uh, I actually meant to say world, and I said country. Um, so, but because um, I, I know so many foreigners came over, and it's just such a culture changing to be able to adjust to all of those is just is just tremendous. And I mean, we could we could spend the next ten hours if we wanted to praising how great the the coaches are in this state. But um, I think that we've got uh, so many other things to get to that we'll we'll go ahead and head down that road.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And also, should note uh, Oklahoma State's Eugenia Lopez Chicara Big Twelve newcomer of the year. So he transfers in. Uh, Has a great season. Big 12 Newcomer of the Year for Chikara. Let's circle back, boys, to the Palmetto Championship taking place uh, at Congaree this week. we got the strength of the field is 200. Lucas Glover all the way up to, what did you say, 15th in the world at one point. Uh, So some good stuff this week. DJ's in. Kepka's in. It's Terrell Hatton. It's Matt Fitzpatrick. The field really starts to drop off. Like DJ and Kepka, obviously great. The field really starts to drop off after that. I mean, you've got uh, like Harold Varner was a guy I really liked this week. I wanted to throw him in in DraftKings. He's like 8,500 because the field's just not super deep. It is good at the top, though, with DJ and Kepka. Uh, So let's go ahead and dive in. We'll start with DraftKings here. And if I'm remembering correctly, I did cash last week. So I will get us started. Uh, What is my cheapest option. Load for me here, DraftKings. I know I had to go way down the list. and I'm pretty sure I remember my cheapest option at 6400 Former Oklahoma State Cowboy had to find some value way down the board. Give me Christopher Ventura. At 6,400. He's kind of, you know, a coin flip to make the cut, uh, but he can go low if he needs to. So um, I'm going to take a chance that this one of the weeks he makes the cuts, and maybe he can make a whole bunch of birdies on the weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go. My cheapest option is 6,800. Former number one player in the world, Luke Donald. How high? Basically, I'm just, you know, grasping at straws down here in the 6,800 range because I top loaded my lineup this week because, like you said, there's not much, not as an. Uh, level as an elite talent, you know, at the top uh, – below the top,
0: sorry. You're not getting, like, top 15 players in the world in the 9,000s. Right, Which exactly. is what we saw, like, at the Memorial and we'll see next week at the U.S. Open. Yeah, so I'm going to go Luke Donald.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, If you're when you're trying to go at the bottom, you try to find anyone that you think can make a cut. And so I kind of got a middle-heavy lineup here. So my my two cheapest options first is 6900. Give me the uh, winner of PJ Tour U, John Pack. Hey. I, I mean, first, first tour event coming out. Um, kind of interesting that he's earning those corn fairy starts, but in his first tour event is a PJ Tour right. event. So pretty ironic there. So I bet I think that he'll play well. Um, South Carolina not too far away from Florida State, so I'm sure he's played some golf up there. Then my next highest. Pick guys, um, seventy or at seven thousand, probably the best prac or the best one time putting stroke of all time. That's Mark Hubbard. And, um, I mean, looking back on it, he's missed – I'm sorry, he's made three straight cuts going back, missed, what, four before that. Um, that was during the – anyone who doesn't know, he went down and, and pretty much held his putter face whenever he putted. It was super, with his pinky. It was super funny. <laughs> he
0: um, almost made it. On like an eight-footer, he lived out.
4: Yeah, and to, to still miss the cut by like five shots or whatever. But, um, <laughs> he was over but, it. But, but he's he's made three straight cuts, and for $7,000 in, in, in a field of this depth, um, I, I like that value. So give me Mark Herbert. All right. Well, I'm still grasping at straws here. I'm going to go with 69
1: Hundred Padraig Harrington. Podrick. Uh, a, a guy a that good played, finish at the PGA. Good finish at the PGA, but like I said, I'm top-loading my lineup this week because, you know, I don't see much talent in the middle uh, as I normally do on DraftKings. So I'm going uh, Padraig Harrington. He's had two top tens
0: this year, 9 of 14 cuts. Uh, yeah. So you went with the old guy at 6900. Taylor and I both going with the young guy. Give me the Pack Attack. Pack Attack was actually the first name that I put in my lineup because it's just, I, I mean, John Pack's going to be a really good player on the PGA Tour, and there was hard to find great value down here. It's like, do I want to take a chance that John Pack really pops on his first start, or do I run out, want to run out somebody like Cameron Percy? Do you I'd
1: rather take the risk. I thought about going with some of those guys, the some of
0: those uh, guys that just turned pro, but do you think they're tired at all? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, John, John Pack, probably not so much. They only played... <laughs> I mean, they only played one <laughs>
4: round of match play. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah
3: that's true.
4: He's, well, he's had t- nine days off, and also, I mean, it's just the pressure of being in your first professional tournament. I right. mean, I mean, there's there's the nerves to that as well. So, I mean, it's not a sure thing. But but you just look at the talent level, and you say this John Pax has more talent than 6900 in this field. Yes. in My opinion.
0: Yes, I agree. So my next one, I'm going to jump up, and it's a guy that I don't use a ton because it's kind of another coin flip guy. But he qualified for the U.S. Open this week. He, I mean, he won his, his sectional qualifier by like five shots. Uh, maybe it was three shots. I can't remember. But he played really really well at the U.S. Open qualifier. I'm hoping that he carries that momentum into this week before he tees it up at Tory next week. Give me Patrick Rogers at 7,200. I, it's not a guy that I would normally roster, but I really like the fact that he went out and torched uh, the guys he was playing against at the U.S. Open qualifier. Easily got in at Tory, so I think that gives him some positive momentum coming into this week at Congaree.
1: Alright, I'm gonna go 7,300. Peter Uline 14 and 20 cuts. He's just a guy that I think will make the cut this week. Three top tens. Um, obviously uh, has played some good golf on the Corn Fairy Tour but you know Peter Uline when you get in that 7300 range especially in a tournament that only has a 200 strength of field um, he I think he's a guy that can definitely make the cut this week and maybe make a run if he gets a little hot with the putter
4: yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, so I'll I got two picks here. So my next guy, next n- our next pick, guys, will be a guy who who I I blatantly accused of cheating at the um, at the uh, Sony Open earlier this year, and that's a Canadian, Nick Taylor. And um, the reason I'm going with it is just another cheap value, seventy three hundred. It's made three straight cuts. So I've got I've got back to back guys, cheaper value, made three straight cuts. So if one of them is going to break a trend, it'll it'll be just because I picked them. And so my my next pick, guys, this is where I went from the lower to a little more top-heavy. I'm going all the way up to 8,900. This is a guy who actually has local ties, but has been playing some very sneaky good golf. That's Alex Norton, 8,900. I mean, looking back on this, he's missed, going back to the Genesis, he's only missed one cut in, what is that, nine tournaments? So, I mean, I mean he's playing good, finished 13th at the Memorial. Um, besides, the PGA Championship has four straight top 25s. So, and it's four straight top 25s in non-majors. So, hopefully that streak continues at uh, Palmetto this week. Alright, well then I'm going to jump up to uh,
1: 7,500 Bo Hogue. He had a really good week last week at the Memorial, shot a 68 in the first round, gained uh, over five shots on the field uh, last week. And then, you know, I-, I really feel like he has good current form and going into a course that none of us really know how it's going to go. I think that you have to look at current form a little bit more than you usually do. Uh, so I think that Bo Hogue. Uh, I mean, only 11 of 24 cuts, but uh, like I said, current form, I love uh, his value at 7,500, so I'm going to go with
0: though, Absolutely, and we are climbing the list here. We're climbing the Luke list at 7,900. Okay. Give me Luke list at seventy nine. Hitting bombs, making birdies. Uh, I don't know a ton about Congaree. It is a long golf course, par 71. They can tip it out at 7,655 if they want to. I don't know that they'll take it all the way back there uh, any day. I, I bet it'll probably play more in the seventy four to 7,500 yard range, uh, but that, I think that brings Luke list in uh, whenever a lot of guys will, will be struggling to reach some of those longer holes. Uh, next up, my second most expensive option. Boys, we've got uh, Bermuda on the tee boxes. We've got Bermuda in the fairways. We've got Bermuda on the greens. We've got Bermuda everywhere. So you going with Sung-J. So you already know I'm rostering Sung JM M at 9,700. My boy Sung Jae is going to pop. He's been playing well at all these Bermuda events, top 20 and uh, stuff like that. He, he's due. He's due. All right.
1: Well, then I'm going to go to Matt Fitzpatrick, 11 of 16 cuts, four top tens, 10,400 on DraftKings. This week, he's actually the third uh, favorite. He's actually ahead of Kepka this week uh, for favorites. He has a 7.2% chance to win this week at the Palmetto Championship. You know, he's been so consistent this year. uh, And when I look at his stats here, he is gaining strokes in every part of his game, especially on the greens. He's gaining more than half a shot on the greens. Uh, and around the greens and off the tee surprisingly where we always talk about dialing it back off the tee Matt Fitzpatrick is gaining over uh, 0.6 shots on the field per round off the tee so that's all that skill yeah it proves the accuracy actually still matters uh you would think the Matt Fitzpatrick's game would be more approach but that's actually his approach uh strokes gained approach is actually the worst uh, part of his game right now. So that's pretty interesting.
4: Yeah, and he missed the cut for me last week when I picked him on DraftKings, so I'm sure that he'll he'll light it up again <laughs> this week. Bounce back weight coming. It, oh, abso- uh, oh, absolutely. No doubt. So then my next two picks, Colby, you already alluded to it, Sung Jae. And the only thing I'll, I'll add to about Sung Jay is I went back and looked on it. Sung Jae in his entire career, I know he's still a young guy, but has never missed three straight cuts, and he's missed his last two. So I don't think that he's going to get a streak of three straight missed cuts. I don't think it's going to start now in a course where there's a bunch of Bermuda. we well,
0: he's missed the last two because I'm assuming that they
4: put him on these stupid Bengrass courses. Yeah, that's probably what it was. <laughs> even, even, though, even though we – I, I do not like Bermuda, but that's just me personally. And then um, – The know, opposite of Sung Yeah, exactly. So then my next pick, guys, is – I'm not feeling that good about DJ. Week four major, could be looking ahead. Kepka, anytime it's not a major, you're like, well, is he going to play? So who's my next next best? Give me 10,200 Terrell Hatton. I mean, I, th- I think uh, he's just a, a solid player, and if I went off of the guys who I thought that had the best value, I think that it's him. Just because, like I said, I'm not that high on Kepka or DJ this week. DraftKings so, loves him. Yeah, and, and they do, and so and I love him too, and I, I like it. Not like DraftKings data, data, go- da- data golf. He, yeah. does, he
0: and, hasn't played a ton of good golf in the U.S. this year. He played really good uh, earlier in the year in Europe. But since he came over, he just—he's been very so-so. Maybe I mean, maybe this is the week when he pops. Obviously, the talent's there. It's just he's been underwhelming the last two three months.
4: No, he hasn't been able to to really contend. I mean, his best finish was at the Zurich, when he's with Danny Willett, who rinsed it on eighteen, for me, cost me a little bit of money. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I, th- I just think Hatton's solid, and I, I, I think that he I think that he has a solid week this week. And You just want to find guys who are. Good players, but at the same time, aren't looking ahead too much. And Hatton, hopefully, is one of those guys. So, Well, then I'm going to go with uh, the best – in my opinion, the
1: second best player in the world right now when he's healthy, 11,100, Brooks Kepka. You know, if you look at his stats, on the greens, he's gaining over half a shot on the field, uh, gaining – 0.72 uh, strokes gained approach. I mean, that's ridiculous. And on a course that's 7,600 yards, it's going to be longer. Off the tees, gaining over half a shot on the field. We haven't seen him since the PGA. He's gotten some rest. And I think gearing up uh, for this U.S. Open where he has a really good chance at, uh, I think he could maybe even throw. I, my best bet this week is that Brooks Kepka finishes top 10. I guarantee you that your odds, uh, they might not be the best, but Brooks Kepka is guaranteed to finish top 10 in this event uh, this week. I just hope the uh, Bryson Brooks. Brigade Bergrade is not out there he- heckling him. Oh yeah, no, no Bro- one, no Brooks. one. Th- that's the difference, though. No one is a fan of Bryson DeChambeau.
4: Hey, e- no e- one. Even if no one likes Bryson, fans. E- sure e- even, even oh, if someone goes on. out there and yells Bryson Brooks, will probably buy him a beer anyway. So I'm, the, I'm sure i mean, he's going to f- handle it differently. I'm
0: sure the physics department at MIT is loaded <laughs> with Bryson DeChambeau fans.
4: Just load it. No, I mean, you, you, got your, you got your cult followers, and, you know, Bryce is kind of getting in that mold, but it, it's a love or hate relationship. But I, I do think that if anyone is out there yelling Bryce to Brooks, he's we, not going to have him thrown out of the tournament. We, we
1: did see Brooks at the Floyd Mayweather-Logan Paul fight, too. He was out there with Dave Portnoy, and, you know, they have that match coming up where Brooks Kepka is going to play left-handed against Dave Portnoy. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: For so, like 250K? Yeah. Yeah, he was there with uh I saw Jenna in that picture. Was Brooks in that picture? Jenna too? was
1: definitely in that picture. Was uh, Brooks in
0: that picture? I didn't see him.
1: <laughs> the one the one with the peach uh he had the peach ones on. That was nice. Yeah, he did.
0: He did. Uh by the way,
4: mine was the expensive. fact that you're complimenting a man's attire in that picture that was posted <laughs> is I'm not
0: sure where that goes. Because well, I'm kinda like Colby. I mean, it could get real inappropriate if we started complimenting Jenna's attire, so (laughs) we'll just keep it on the up and up. Uh, My most expensive this week on DraftKings is DJ. It's DJ. DJ, he's been slumping, but what does DJ do? DJ gets on extreme highs for a couple of months, and then DJ just kind of slumps and finishes T-44 for a couple of months. If you keep picking DJ, eventually you're going to be right. I haven't picked him in a while, but this week, back in his home state where he did not have any success at the PGA Championship... um, U.S. Open on the horizon next week. I think he's trying to find some form, uh, and I had the cash in in DraftKings. So yep. I've actually got five hundred left over, which I usually do. I, I usually don't in DraftKings. Pardon me. I just I couldn't find anybody else I like more than the guys I picked. So
4: I'm just trying to look back on when the last time DJ played any good golf. And I I, I mean finished thirteenth at RBC. I mean that looks good. Finished eighth at the Genesis. Everything in between their guys is, is either fiftieth or miscut. Yep. I mean, it's he's got to he, he's got to figure it out. But but like you said, Colby, he he could turn it on in the flick of a switch. Um, but like I said, I, he may be one of those guys who, because that's the thing that about this tournament, why I think it has such low strength of field. I mean. You would have to leave Sunday evening if you won and then fly all the way across the country to go to Torrey. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, so I just think that, you know, people who are looking forward to the U.S. Open may be, you know, one or two steps ahead of Palmetto, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you
0: know? I think so, too. So, so one, uh, and one and done. One and done. Who's up first this week? I don't even remember who we had last week. You had more callers, I so you had to callers. be up first.
4: Yeah. uh.
1: Wait, I, I need to see my one and done list real quick. But who again. are you looking for? I'm looking, looking for, for Terrell Hatton.
4: Terrell Hatton? I don't see
0: Terrell. Yeah, Hatton. I see him
1: right there. I already picked him. So oh, yeah, that I means that I am gonna have to go with.
4: And that kicking bird. We don't have any cards, hmm. so we can't let the cards aside. <laughs> Even though you yeah. let you win against the cards last week, and it, it and did. It worked
1: you. out. It worked out. Oh. Uh, I. Oh man, come on! I I don't know. I I think I'm gonna go with.
0: Uh, you know, you want us to give our picks, yeah, give you, you a little time? you guys, you guys All right, I've got, I've got mine locked and loaded. Go ahead, Cole. I mean, mine is uh, I'm going to run out Mr. Skill this week. Don't know when I would run him out other than this. And then a, a low strength of field, like at some point it seems like he's going to win on the PGA Tour, but I don't think he's going to do it in a tournament that's got a 650 strength of field. So I think a 200 strength of field, DJ and Kepke don't play well, then you start getting down to Hatton and Fitzpatrick, Sung Uh So I think one of those guys could pop. Fitzpatrick's the one I've got available. So I'll use Matty Fitz this week in the one and done. I'm picking Kepkin next week, uh, so
1: I think that I'm going with, give me
4: Tommy
0: Fleetwood. Tommy
4: Fleetwood. Fairway Jesus. Okay. Fairway, Another Jesus? guy who I'm trying to figure out when the last time he played good golf. So we've got uh, two Brits. Taylor, you picking a Brit? I am not, but I am picking a foreigner. Uh, uh, Tommy Fleetwood did finish 14th at the Wells Fargo, so that wasn't too bad. Um, but uh, you know who I'm picking, guys? guy who a lot of people hadn't really heard of. You look at him on DraftKings, he's 9,000, he, and he doesn't even have a picture by him. He's 54th ranked player in the world. Give me Garrett Higo, a lefty from South Africa. <laughs> he's number 54 ranked player in the world. He's won twice in the last, two what, two months on the European Tour. Uh, made the cut at the PGA Championship. Um, so, yeah, so here, I'll read back. This is going back to, I don't see the exact date here, but reading back from the PGA Championship where he made the cut, One on the European Tour, t 8 First, uh, T4th, miscut, 16th, 19th, 11th. So playing some really good golf across the pond. It's just a matter of if he can bring it over here. And the fact that he made the cut at the PGA Championship, major championship, only 22 years old, may I say. And uh, so I, I like his chances this week, kind of like a John Pack. Maybe this will – I'm going with some talent here. And, like I said, where else am I going to use him? So might as well use him here. So
0: Garrick Higgo. Not a household name on the PGA tour. You never know though. You That's never know. one of those
1: that no one else is gonna have.
0: Exactly. If I, he's, Higo he's, finishes top five, you're gonna gain a lot of ground on the he, pool. He, Hashtag he, best bets. H-
4: Higo is Higo is this year's version of Bazain from last year, pretty much. Is because right. I mean he's no one's heard of him. He's a he's twenty two year old left, he's fifty fourth ranked in the world. Maybe, and no and no one knows who he is. Maybe Higo low this week.
0: I mean, you just good, never know. Good God. Was that bad? Was that bad? <laughs> that, that was, was bad, bad. wasn't bad. That was bad. Uh, all right, what else do we have? Best bets? You gave yours was uh, Kepka Top 10? Yep. All right, that's like your best, best bet? That's my best, best bet. For me, it's uh, it's Sungjae to win the tournament. It's Sungjae to win the tournament. I think I saw him in the, like, 18 to 22 to 1 range. Um, so I like Sungjae to win this week. If I had him in the 1 and done, that's who I would be using. That's the guy who I think actually wins the tournament this week. Uh, one hit. more. Oh, go, 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 ahead. Ahead,
1: go ahead. Go ahead, Sam. Uh, one more that I really like this week Uh is uh, Jonathan Vegas, if you can get a top 20 uh, bet on Jonathan
4: Vegas. Johnny Vegas. Yeah, he tends to pop in some of these lower strength of field tournaments. Yeah, I think that, you know, with, with it being a course where no one's played it before, I mean, it opened in 2017's first year at having a tour event. We, we have no course, you know, who's a horse for course here? We don't know. We, who does it suit? So, in my opinion, you know, you guys are more betting entrepreneurs on this than I am. I would try to find matchups and then see okay who's who's been fading lately you know who can you some of the golfers that we've mentioned that have been playing good can you find them against someone who's slumping with maybe some uh, plus value as well I think that that would be the way to go I just think that this tournament with it being a lower strength of field too I think in the week before major makes it a little bit more unpredictable in some of the other events
0: yeah, absolutely. So, good stuff. We'll see how it plays out this week at Congaree. Don't know what our schedule is going to be uh, next week as far as recap and stuff like that go. Uh, my anniversary is on Sunday. My wife and I are going up to Colorado, so we'll be gone uh, Saturday through Wednesday. We'll get back Wednesday night, so we're going to figure out what our plan is uh, for next week, and we'll tweet that out. So, make sure you follow us at the seventy-third hole on Twitter to get all that information. We're going to take just a really quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to have Taylor Moore joining us on the other side. To talk about his event, the 2021 OGA Junior Boys and Girls Championship, presented by Taylor Morris. So it'll be good to talk to him, uh, talk to him about his recent success on the Corn Ferry Tour, and much more coming up. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Welcome back to the seventy-third hole. The official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphries with you from Kicking Bird today for the twenty twenty-one OGA Boys and Girls Junior State Championship presented by Taylor Moore. Want to remind everybody to go see our good friends at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Go see Doctor Beecham and Doctor Brawley. They will get you taken care of. Both. Avid golfers—they offer total, individualized patient care. Dr. Beecham uh, does non-invasive and will approach every option before surgery. However, if you are needing surgery, Dr. Brawley has recently been named one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. You're not going to want to miss out. If you need them, go see them at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. And we mentioned that we are out at Taylor Moore's tournament today here at Kicking. And joining us now is the man himself, Taylor Moore. Taylor, we're out here at this great event. Talk about this event and kind of how everything got going and what it means to you.
6: Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, my dad and I and Brian Sorensen were watching a little football in the offseason and we're just trying to find a way to give back to junior golf in Oklahoma and came up with the idea to, you know, either start our own tournament or, or host the Oklahoma State Junior and a few conversations with Maury Rose and Mark Belder, obviously, um, helped us get to this point and just super excited to to have my name on this tournament. Super excited to help out the kiddos and, and give them a good, good week, a fun event, and to do it there at Kicking Bird where I grew up playing is, uh, is just icing on the cake. So it's an awesome deal, awesome event, and I, I hope the kids are enjoying it, are enjoying as much as we did and as much as I, uh, Love helping out. So, all good, man.
4: Man, I tell you what, Taylor. You know, we we played in this tournament, both me and Sam and you did growing up. And you know, as much as as great of a tournament as was then, we look out here now, and there's there's ropes out there, there's there's Gatorades and waters for the guys on every hill. Look like there was like even a little snack bar on, on 10T. I mean, it was it was just amazing what what you guys have been able to do with this tournament. And earlier, before we have you on, Taylor, we had uh, Brian Sortson on, who you guys have he mentioned you guys had reconnected recently, and uh, you'd gotten a little bit of uh, tips from. Him. So what uh, what exactly have y'all been working on, and how did that Uh, relationship rekindle.
6: yeah man it's been good and um you know brian's always been in my life on and off the golf course you know as a a mentor as a role model and um i went a little bit different way you know golf swing wise physically about two or three years ago and honestly i just i kind of stunk at the beginning of this year wasn't hitting it the way i felt like i should be wasn't hitting it the way you know that i felt like i was capable of and uh missed a few cuts in a row and called him up and just asked him if he would take a look at me, you know, on a, on a day I had off and kind of met halfway actually down in Norman and and got to work for a few hours and he gave me his thoughts and, um, you know, something just clicked and then it's always good to go back to to what I'm comfortable with and what I'm familiar with. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what happened. And and we've been in, in touch ever since, obviously, and working together, uh, you know, stuff week in and week out and um, it's been great for me and it's translated to uh, good results on the course as well.
1: Yeah, Timor, I love what you're doing here with this tournament. And uh, we had Mark Felder on, obviously. We have the legend Maury Rose sitting here uh, eating lunch right next to us right now. Um, just speak a little bit uh, to what the OGA and the OJGT did for you uh, growing up uh, in your upbringing and uh, kind of give everybody a, a story of your background a little bit and how the OGA and the OJGT helped you.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I hope Maury's knocking down a cheeseburger basket if he's not be really disappointed but
1: he's actually eating a salad um, he had a salad yeah I, it's I very shocking here i don't know <laughs> what Maury's doing over there
6: oh, Maury. Damn.
4: Damn. taylor said you need to be eating a cheeseburger <laughs> that's all right oh he, <laughs> anyway. he said he
1: said it's coming next that was the appetizer <laughs> <laughs> anyways
6: yeah. that's awesome um yeah no dude that as you guys know the ojgt was just such a special place for us to to play junior golf pretty much year round you know it, it was awesome to play the summer tournament um season as well to to keep us going and play those weekend events and I mean talk about two guys that love junior golf but especially Maury Rose just trying to trying to help that next generation and uh you know the players that have turned out you know at the collegiate level and the professional level that have come through the OJGT just is pretty cool to see um in the last you know 10-15 years and it just gave us a place to play. It gave us a, a chance to own our skills and, and gave us a, an opportunity for college coaches to see us if that's what we wanted to do and really just taught us how to play the game and, and play it at a high level and compete, you know, with great players day in and day out. And so it's been awesome to, to get back, um, you know, a little bit there and, and talk to Maury and, and try to do the same for this next generation coming up. And, um, yes, it's been awesome, and, and those guys – have meant a lot to Oklahoma Junior Golf, and obviously still still mean a lot to to the kids there and growing the game as they do.
4: Yeah, and before we before we start asking about your game, Taylor, because you've been playing so phenomenally lately. Have you uh, looked at the leaderboard for for this tournament? You got any any friends or any um, your mentees, apprentices, anything like that, uh, boys or girls that you're rooting for?
6: No, I, I don't have anybody singled out. I saw some good scores. I checked out the leaderboard, and I also saw there was a a pretty cool six for one playoff, I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. That I is, that is that correct, yep. play. So I thought that was awesome and just kinda goes to show how deep that field is and um heard we had a little chip in birdie there on ten. So I've definitely definitely got an ear out there and, and oh you know, I wish I could be there in person, unfortunately with my schedule this year it just didn't work out. But um, you know, I don't know if Brian mentioned it, but I think it's really cool that we have every state champion from, you know, class Class one A through six day playing there this week, and that's kind of what we envisioned. We just wanted the best players in the state to stay at home for this week and really, really duke it out for the for the junior state championship. And I think that's uh, pretty awesome
0: yeah it definitely is and all the best players are here they're playing some great golf you're playing some great golf taylor we're looking at the uh corn Ferry list earlier in the year you were in the 50s 60s on the points you've now climbed all the way up to 20th on the list top 25 at the end of the season get their tour cards so just talk about your your kind of climb up the leaderboard here what's been different for you what's clicked uh and, and what it means now for the rest of the season to try to hold on to where you're
3: at now
6: yeah it's been awesome i uh you know, I think a little bit of it, honestly, is getting back with pro on some, on some simple swing stuff that we've been doing and kind of getting back to my roots there. But um, a lot of it is, too, is, is course, manage, course management stuff uh, that I've been doing, just a, a lot more mature than, I first, than when I first came out as a pro and really just limiting silly mistakes. I mean, it's easy to say and it's easy to, to think about, you know, no three pods. Not making double bogeys, not making bogeys with wedges in my hand, but really just trying to own that stuff and do that, do all those little things day in and day out, has really accumulated to, to a bunch of good rounds back to back to back, and, and turning into you know some good results. And um, that's real. I mean, it sounds very simple, but I really just focused on the little stuff so much more this off season leading into this year, and it's nice to see it uh, paying off as of late
1: yeah Taylor uh, speaking to that Brian mentioned that uh, your caddy Chris has been a big influence uh, lately. Just speak a little bit about your caddy Chris and um, and what he's meant to you in your game.
6: yeah Chris has been awesome. We started the year together and you know it took us a few events to kind of kind of gel a little bit get on the same page. but he's a guy that you know has really kept me calm Mom, out there he's really kept me locked in um, We have a good good feel for each other now and we got you know kind of a good rhythm going obviously and you know what I want out of a caddy is somebody that when that bag goes down and we're getting ready to hit the next shot it's all business but as soon as that shot's over we you know accept the outcome we move on to the next one and you know we can talk sports and hang out between shots and and you know lock in for that next one when that time comes and um, you know we just have a really good balance of everything and a really good relationship going and he's uh, definitely helped me a ton um, you know, this year, especially when we get in contention on Sunday and just having it feel like it's, you know, Tuesday afternoon in a practice round, which is kind of what I want and what I need. So he's, he's been awesome
4: yeah it can it can be really hard to find that in a caddy t- uh, Taylor to be able to get him to to match uh match with the player and the caddy so but uh, let's take it back to this week you're at, you're in south carolina this week looks like uh for the b and w charity and uh, it looks like you guys are playing two different courses um kind of dive into what what both those courses are like does one suit your game more than the other and what do you think will um uh what do you think it'll take to prevail this week to maybe get that first trophy you've been looking for
6: yeah two great golf courses um you know thorn played Country Club is the host club here, and we'll play three rounds out there. And then Cliff Valley is a is a, a little bit different golf course. Cliff is a little bit more undulation, a little bit more dogleg kind of placement golf course. Uh, Thornblades a few more drivers off the tee, a little bit more traditional style um, as far as that goes, length wise. But yeah, kind of kind of different golf courses, but um, you know. Just like each week out here, man, it's going to take it's gonna take some low scores. It's going to take some birdies. Uh, it's going to take a lot of, you know, limited mistakes and really just having clean scorecards. And I think it'll be somewhere between that 15, 16 to 20 under if somebody gets hot. And um, Yeah, that kind of seems to be how it is, you know, every week out here essentially unless we get, you know, some bad weather or a really tough golf course. Um, but yeah, I really like both golf courses. They're both in really good shape. Really healthy and um, looking forward to get going tomorrow to to get that first trophy
1: on Sunday. Yeah, Taylor, speaking of uh, low scores and birdies, uh, we saw your Arkansas Razorbacks uh, golf team. I'll ask you about the baseball team here in a second, but the golf team, Tyson Reeder, I just wanted – we had him on a couple weeks ago, and he he won a couple times, um, and they they played some good golf uh, this year. Just speak a little bit about your relationship with those Arkansas guys and maybe specifically Tyson Reeder.
6: Yeah, I'm. I'm super happy for Tyson. He's a he's a great kid. Obviously, an Edmond native, and um, you know he's he was an incredible athlete growing up. And I know he went to Oklahoma State. You know, his first part of college, and um, you know, probably was just a little bit raw and didn't really have an opportunity to play there with how stacked they were as a team. And I'm super happy for him that he went to Arkansas and got the opportunity to play and show his skills. And you know, it reminds his career reminds me a little bit of myself. I didn't transfer, but kind of took him a few years to get comfortable to really trust himself, to trust his game. And his last semester of senior year, just like myself, got his first win in college and kind of blossoming as he turns pro, which I think is an awesome trajectory for him and his game. And, um, you know, the Arkansas program is, is so special to me, obviously, going there and going up a Razorback fan. And Coach McMacon there has done an unbelievable job with that program. And, um, you know, that that guy's pretty much like my second father, when I was in school, and he's been that way ever since. And so, super happy for those guys, and they had a really good year. I think they finished eleventh place in the country and in, in the national championship, which is which is pretty solid. So, um, yeah, I think it's awesome.
4: Yeah, so what's the uh, what's the rest of the season look like for you, Taylor? Um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, there's after this week six or seven events before the uh finals or playoffs. However, they phrase it starts so are you, you going to play every week um going up to there? Um Crestview's next week I I'm assuming you'd be playing up there. I played there once and that seems like a course that would really suit your game. Um so what uh, what's your schedule look like the rest of the year?
6: Yeah, for sure. My plan as of now is, is to play the rest of the events. I think you are right. We have seven events left after this week and My plan is to play them all out. Um, You know, we have a couple built-in off weeks, which helps do that. If it was seven or eight in in a row, I would probably think about taking one off. But, you know, kind of coming into crunch time and don't really want to drop on that money list, points list at all. So, yeah, my plan right now is to play all of them out. And, you know, I took an off week a few weeks ago when we were scheduled to be in Kansas City and I played, uh, I think, six events in a row and, you know, Playing well at the time, but I thought it would, you know, suit me best just to kind of go home and and refresh for a week and do that. So that was three weeks ago now, and I think it really helped helped me just kind of refocus and regroup at the time. And looking forward to playing the rest of them this year.
4: Yeah, no, we d- definitely hitting that reset button can be great for all of us, more. So how, how do you think you'll be able to, like, what will it take to balance being able to play? Because you've already played in how many ever weeks up until now, you know? So what what will it take to make sure that you're able to stay fresh leading up to the uh, end of the season?
6: Yeah, I think, you know, that's some of the stuff you figure out your first couple of years as a pro. You know, how many, how many weeks in a row you operate well, how much time you kind of need off and just kind of get your, like, daily schedule down. And so if I go, like, five, six weeks in a row, that fifth and sixth week, I'll definitely take Monday off and give myself Tuesday morning as well. And I'll just, I'll go play nine Tuesday afternoon and just kind of give myself an extra, you know, half day of rest if needed. And then, um, you know, I think the stuff that we even do in the off season that I do personally in the off season, as far as getting my body ready to, to compete that many weeks in a row and compete at a high level, you know, week in and week out is that's what I'm doing in the off season. That's what I'm training to do. You know, anytime I have, you know, off or any workout that I get in during the week, is so I can get my body ready to play that.
1: Yeah, that that's interesting physically and then mentally, T, Timor, how do you kind of uh, keep the points list off your mind but still on your mind enough? Obviously it's a goal, but um, when you're playing out there, it can't be on, on the forefront of your mind. How do you kind of balance that? Uh, it's similar to when we asked Austin Eckerd about the PGA Tour you stuff. You know, it, How do you kind of balance that since it is such a big deal to you but on, at the same time it doesn't necessarily help you shoot lower scores?
6: Yeah, for sure, and I think that's, you know, the tricky part of it. Obviously, everybody knows where they're at on the list. Everybody knows that top 25 at the end of the regular season gets your tour card, but, you know, I I hired a mental performance coach this offseason, and I think Taylor and Colby and I talked about it a little bit last time I was on, but, you know, I'm really just trying to control what I can control day in and day out. I can't control how other people play. I can't control what other people do day in and day out, but I can control what I do and, You know, I can own my practice for that day. I can own, you know, what shots I hit. I can own all the routines and stuff that I do. And if I really buy in and do that little stuff day in and day out, it seems to be translating into, you know, good rounds, good shots, good tournaments, back to back to back. And if I just can keep my head down and do that, then I think the points list will take care of itself.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I I was talking earlier to some people here. Uh, Obviously, this is the uh, OGA uh, match play, and I was telling them that I actually played you in match play in this tournament one time at Fairfax, and I won the first hole, but then I lost five and four. Uh, But anyways, I thought that was kind of a funny story. But, uh, you know, (laughs) basically, what advice would you give for juniors uh, coming up? Like, is is there anything specific that you see in juniors games uh,
6: that maybe – it helps people go from good to elite. Yeah, I think. I mean, it might be some of the same stuff that I'm focusing on. I mean, junior golf, there's obviously a lot of talented players, but I, I kind of, you know, I go back and watch some college events when I have time off or they come through Dallas when I'm home and, you know, obviously try to get up to my event or to some, like, high school state championship stuff when I'm in town. And it's course management stuff, man. Everybody's good shots and everybody's great rounds are going to be great it's really how good your bad shots are. It's really how good your bad rounds are. It's really about seeing those areas and, and really eliminating the silly stuff. It took me a while. I mean, you guys all play with me as a junior golfer, I'm trying to aim at every pin. I'm trying to make birdie on every hole. And it's like, now that I'm a professional, <laughs> you're really just kind of weighing risk, weighing, you know, when it's time to attack, when it's time to play to the middle of the green. Um You know, not trying to make every 30-footer, getting them down in two and just eliminating those mistakes. And I think as a junior golfer, it's, it's a lot of that same stuff.
1: Yeah, no doubt. That's really good stuff. And I'd be remiss if we had you on, knowing you're such a big baseball guy. I, I gotta ask about the Arkansas Razorbacks baseball team. The other night, I'm sitting there watching it live and, you know, they, yeah. score, they the bases are juiced. They score one run, and then the guy hits one to the moon. Uh, and that seemed electric. <laughs> that stadium seems just absolutely awesome to go to. But uh, what do you think about your Arkansas Razorbacks uh, baseball team?
6: Man, they're awesome. I was jumping up and down last you know, whatever night that was when that three-run homer took off. And, yeah, I pretty much watch every game, especially this time of the year. And, yeah, they're obviously number one team in the country. Got a great roster. Um, You know, I, I hope our pitching is ready to go for Supers coming up this weekend. And, yeah, to your point, it's a great atmosphere. And I went to a ton of games when I was in school there and still like to go, you know, when I can. And it's, uh, it's a really special place. But, yeah, I'm just I'm – I'm hoping we can – you know play the ball that we've been playing the last couple months and and put ourselves in a position to go to omaha and and if we do that i think uh i think we'll have a really good chance to to compete up there and hopefully bring home a national championship which would be fantastic
4: Arkansas football going to be worth the darn this year <laughs>
6: Absolutely not. Why do you have to bring that up? We're having a great, great conversation, T-Dub, and now you bring up my football team. I'm noticing a
0: trend. It seems like every time we have you on, it's in the spring, and I think that that's kind of by design so that we can talk yeah. about Arkansas Razorback baseball as opposed to Arkansas yeah. Razorback football. Exactly. It's
4: all strategy. All strategy. No, no
0: we're
6: going we're gonna to be, be better. We're going to be better. We're not going to obviously win the SEC West, I don't think, by any stretch. But... Um, yeah, no. I mean, I'm. I know a few guys on staff there now. I've been around them. I think it's a good group, and I think we're going to get a little bit better for sure. So, definitely, a, definitely a project. But, I mean, I will say, even when we go three and nine, our our football stadium is rocking. Maybe just a little bit louder than that stadium in Norman. So, I will say that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I like it. I like it.
6: Uh,
0: all right, last one. I'm going to put you on the spot, and then we'll let you go. Favorite hole right. at Kicking Bird.
6: Go. Ooh, favorite hole. Might be sneaky under the radar, but I love the par 5, number 12. I think it's Ooh, a great that hole. That is a good hole. my suits my eye for a little bit of the draw coming into that green. And I think if you have to lay up, you've got to hit a really good wedge, you know, to that three-tier green. I think 18 is one of the hardest kind of finishing holes for any public course in the state, maybe any golf course in the state. you got to hit two quality shots there. But I really i am a fan of number 12, par 5. I think it's a great hole.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. Taylor, we appreciate you taking the time. Love watching you have success on the Corn Ferry
4: and hope you have a lot more of it.
6: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Good talking to you, and uh, thanks for going out to the event and supporting it and, and being out at K-Bird.
4: Well, thanks for all yes, that sir. you do for this tournament, my friend. Like I said, it, it looks like a PJ Tour event outside these windows, so thank you for everything that you've done for it and helping grow golf, uh, junior, especially junior golf in the state of Oklahoma. It's awesome, bro. Appreciate
6: love it. it. Love it. Love it. Right. Yep. Thanks, guys. Best of luck this weekend and too. the rest of
4: this uh, other tournament you got this year, brother.
6: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one.
0: That was Taylor Moore, who's done a great job this year on the Corn Ferry Tour, all the way up to 20th on the points list and the host of this week's tournament. Just an absolutely phenomenal tournament, and uh, him becoming a part of it has allowed it to just continue and continue to grow. It's the OGA Junior Boys and Girls Championship presented by Taylor Moore here at Kicking Bird Golf Club, which will be open for about another three weeks, June 30th, the last day if you want to come out here and get your rounds in at Kicking Bird before they shut it down off uh, for a little more than a year for a huge, huge redesign and uh, renovation just the absolute works. Thanks to all of our guests today, uh, Mark Felder, Brian and Taylor Moore. Thanks to everybody out here at Kicking Bird for having us and for putting on such a great event for junior golf in the state of Oklahoma. We're back next week. It's U.S. Open Week at Torrey Pines. Torrey Pines was a little bit of fun the last time it was hosted there, so looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.